those people too because i'm like it's all politics you ass clown yeah <laughs> check off being on the bridge is political yes yeah <laughs> big time yeah well i mean it's funny too because even and having sulu, a woman even sulu yeah. and uhura yes was political yep uh, uh major barrett as yes. number one yes was political he and was, he, he, he was, lost that battle he but... was given the you know hey keep the alien keep the woman can't can't keep both he lost. He lost that battle with number one, but won the battle with Uhura. Yeah, because he said, "I want an officer, and I want a female officer." Yeah, and oh, by the way, she's also black. They're like, um, "Are you sure you want to die on that hill?" And he's like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Of course, he did. They did uh, lose on Spock being red. Yeah, <laughs> because on black and white TVs, that's yeah. blackface. <laughs> that- so that that's probably a good loss. Did you ever right see there. like the promotional material for like a, a a hot minute they were sending out to TV stations? Oh, yeah. They had airbrushed the tips <laughs> off of Spock's ears oh, and the points and, off the eyebrows. Yeah, and when Roddenberry found out, he's like, "No, that's you the, fix this right now." It's the whole point. <laughs> Jesus, that's it's funny. That's like. Um, it's it's funny how things like that will also take on a life of their own. Yeah. Like when in magazines uh, back in the 80s, when they would airbrush out Cindy Crawford's mole. Yeah. Mm. And people would actually get up in arms about that. <laughs> They're like, where the fuck's a mole? Which is really funny. Yep. But yeah, the ears, for fuck's sake. That whole there, thing is supposed to be, uh, whatever. There is a... Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, no. She, she is. She is. Uh, here You'll we go. find it. You'll find it. Yes, she is uh, an erotic art star. Uh, <laughs> Tr- Trisha Uptown uh, actually went on record because there were there are a few sites. She's, she's got a little little teeny tiny tattoo up on her left uh, shoulder, like between boob and wow. shoulder. And uh, there were some sites that were airbrushing that out. And she was Playboy like, was famous for doing that for decades. Yeah, they would uh, airbrush tattoos off of the the yeah. models, and then suddenly they're like, "Eh, what the hell?" Well, <laughs> they, they they airbrushed everything. Yeah, uh, Bob Guccione yep. for Penthouse actually said they don't do airbrushing yep. because it would be demeaning to the beauty of the woman. No, they'd and use I think diffusion. That was really nice of Guccione <laughs> to care about women. They they would much, use diffusion so. filters on those lenses for that kind of sp- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. foggy sparkle mm-hmm. effect. But yeah, no, he was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Foggy he was famous sparkle. For yeah, and Playgirl actually airbrushed in more hair on Burt Reynolds. <laughs> so, <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number seven hundred and twenty-eight. I am Master Torgo, eighties Jeff, Commander K, with Professor Biggs and. No one. What else. is it? Cruise, Disneyland, work in Houston. Oh, and we're here to talk week and geek. They just don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> That's all. Barry's too focused They're, on. They me. found better things to yeah. do with their time. I think it's protest. I I think it, that uh, monster fuck game just broke Barry. Yeah, and he's like, I just can't deal with it. Anymore. Either that, or he's home playing it right oh, now. That's true. It might just be. That's where he is, people. He's at home playing the monster. <laughs> <laughs>
So, gentlemen, uh, let's just jump right into it. What geeky things did you do this week? Uh, Jeff. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Kit, like, ran right past against my legs as he was darting to the other side of the room, and it completely got me off guard. Uh, here, here's a, a news flash, everybody. Uh, Kit is a cat and sometimes gets the zoomies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He probably has to poop. So we're going to get a half hour of him zipping around the house, and then he's going to go to the box and do his business. I get it. Uh, All it takes for me is running around the block, and I'm ready for a late <laughs> well, I mean, you know, for, yeah, hey, for some of us, it just takes driving from Prem. <laughs> I will say. <laughs> I didn't mention names. I just want it on the record. You know, I did not mention names. You know, I am more than happy to fess up to this kind of non nonsense. I will say it might have had something to do with the Costco turkey jerky. I'm maybe 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 that. At least he said Costco. I would have loved it if he'd been like the gas station turkey jerky, right? The man has standards. <laughs> the roadside turkey jerky. And, and, you know, it was on sale. But so. the roadside is too expensive now because he only stops at Alien Fresh. So. That's true. Boy, they went way up in price. I, yeah. The well, last they got to pay for that hotel. Yeah. The last time Darren and I stopped there, I was like, $35 for a fucking six-ounce pack of jerky? Oh, it's not that much. No. Oh, it, dude. It, oh, no. They do have their premium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their regular. It, it is used still, to be twenty bucks. Yeah, the regular is still two for twenty. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, the wow. What, what, wait, what, Steve's yeah, telling a totally different story from Jeff here, right? Yeah. Well, it, no, they do have a premium that is. Yeah, it, it, but it used to be like twenty bucks for a pack, and it well, wasn't. Well, you pay the higher price, bad. so you don't have to drive so fast home from Baker. Yeah. Oh my lord! If I had to drive from Baker. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, the good news is I could have stopped at Prim. Now, <laughs> uh, so you know what? For those not in the Vegas area, most of you, uh, Prim uh, is a small town outside. Town is not a word. A collection no. of hotels yes. outside of Vegas by about 45 there are, minutes. There are no minutes. actual residents for Prim. And Baker yeah. is about an hour and a half on, in California. Just right? an hour. Just an hour. Yeah. Uh, and that's where Alien Fresh Jerky, and they're building an alien-themed hotel there. Yes. And there's the world's largest thermometer. It's basically a gas stop that has about... This 370 residents. Yeah. yeah. It's Gateway to Death Valley, by the way. It is. So and they've been building that hotel for, what, eight years now? No, no, no. Uh, they just, they really Seven? only got started. I mean, they've been talking about it for about eight well, years. Well, but I mean, the construction site has had a fence around it and equipment well, sure. on it for like six or seven years at it, least. But now some bones are up. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's almost oh, done. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. And, and in fact, southbound, you can actually see it from the freeway now. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Now that now Steve's got a place to stay. <laughs> oh, God. I, you know, <laughs> God a place love to him. poop. I wish him all the best luck, best luck in the world for getting this thing off the ground. And I hope it's hugely profitable for him because I just love the hubris. Oh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> There's not a whole lot to bring you to Baker. No. There's yeah. not a lot to keep you to Baker. No. So you can stay at the Alien Hotel. But what else you gonna do? Eat at the Mad Greek? Yeah, I or, mean, or go see the the largest thermometer in the world. But you can see it from your window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing too is, I mean, I've been I've been driving back and forth from Las Vegas to California for literally decades, and 
Baker had its high time about, you know, 20 years ago. And starting right after the economy tanked in 2008, there have just been more and more and more boarded up yeah. restaurants and, and you know, motels and everything. I'm like, why was this really the best time? I mean, maybe the, maybe the spaceship hotel will bring more tourists in. Nope. It will certainly improve the population every week. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I mean, mean, that's a significant jump in population if that place is half full. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's a place to stop if you want a fast food lunch Mm -hmm. or dinner on your and getting right on your way because there's only like two sit down restaurants in there, right? Uh, the Mad Greek, Mad Greek, and, and um, oh, what the fuck's the name of that other one? God. Denny's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Denny's. Yeah, yeah. Bun Boy closed ages ago. Yeah, but everything Sad. else is like Del Taco, uh, again Burger King, yeah, Arby's, I mean, all the yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just all fast food chain stuff. Things. Oh wow! Although they <laughs> that's closed, keeping that economy alive. They closed the A and W, which was sad because they used to still have. That a, used to be a reason to go to Baker. A and W. Yeah. That that frosty mug taste. Yeah. So yeah. So I hope. I mean, I you know, I I wish the guy all the best because I mean. But I do have to go back. What makes the alien jerky premium premium? Why why thirty dollars? It's. It's the, not the, the, really it, a the premium cut of meat. Those who check in will not be checking out. Oh, so it's Hotel that's California. A, that's what makes the premium premium. Yeah, uh, it's Soylent. <laughs> it's Soylent. It's owned by the Soylent Corporation. <laughs> well, that was the end of Innocence. What? Yeah. <laughs> the, the premium stuff was just a, it was a different. It was a better cut of meat, like you know, you bison. Know. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, so I mean, and some, they did have some exotics too, but yeah, yeah. usually it'd be um, a better cut of beef. <laughs> the flaming yawn of yeah, beef jerky. It, well, no, they they yeah. would use you know prime cuts. So yeah. Oh, and speaking of the turkey jerky. Oh no. Oh no. Oh boy. So I'm sitting there eating it, going, "Oh, this is okay." You know, this is... <laughs> as one does with turkey jerky. And then yeah. the stomach's like rumble, rumble. No, but I'm like, what is this taste though? <laughs> I, I've I've had this kind of maybe you had some maybe you had some bad turkey jerky. No, 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 because because I, I I figured out what it is. You, remember, you know at Thanksgiving you get the turkey, sure, and and if it's if it's done well, uh, you know most of it's pretty good. But every now and then you get a chunk that's just a little more cooked than the rest of the turkey. It's that taste. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, again, are you sure you got good turkey jerky? I don't know. They had boxes and boxes of it, so <laughs> there'll be wow. it'll be it'll be a news story if <laughs> if I'm back from not the, the isolated. Back, case. Actually, there might have already been a news story, and Steve just missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Packaged during the Bush era, yeah. the first one. Oh, hey, Susan, make sure to push the turkey jerky. <laughs> Speaking of a turkey jerky, Jeff, what'd you do this week? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> um, I, I two things. I started watching uh, True Detective Night Country. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> That's not what I'm hearing about it. I'm hearing it is a snore fest. <laughs> it mm. I, there's. I will say. Mm. I it depends on what your perspective is about dialogue. Snoring. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> because there is a lot of exposition. Okay. Because there's, you know, the first, especially the first couple episodes, you're setting up the location, you're setting up the characters. So I would say it's only six episodes. Thank goodness. 
and the first two and I'll say a quarter are a lot of setup. Okay, you know, but establish, set up, set up, establishing the characters, the location. Setup's allowed to be interesting. I found it interesting, okay. but I will say a lot of audiences don't like a lot of talking. Yeah. And character interaction. They they're like, I want to get it, get onto the action, get onto the. Well, you know, don't like, forget, Jeff's like me. We're the dorks that went to the uh, library at school and went yeah. right to the reference section. Yeah. And just pulled random encyclopedia volumes off the shelves and get out started of my reading. Fucking head, Kirsten. Oh. <laughs> get that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, get I, that I, pass from I, study I hall. I did that. Oh yeah. Well. To to be fair, to be fair, the uh, that that show has never been a barn burner. It's always had a slow burn. Yes. Even the yeah. first episode, yeah. season, which is by many considered the best, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, is a slow season. Because I'm on episode five right now. I wasn't able to finish it before I got uh, uh. had to come for the podcast. But um, five, it's definitely starting to ramp up, just like that first season did. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying it. I know it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but I I I I was really really hoping to get into that last episode to see, you know, because apparently there's I already had this spoiled for me. There is a quote big twist in the final two episodes. Okay, and um, you know, fortunately, I was not given what the twist is. Okay, well, so, but I just you. know I know it's coming. So it anyway. does kind of suck the one that there's a twist, yeah, though, right? Yeah, because really like, oh, do you know about the twist yet? It's like, shut the fuck up. If this will help, it's not that big a twist. There okay, you go, see? <laughs> all right, fair enough. It's like the premium jerky of because I've had people do that to me with a movie. It's like, oh my god, when you get to the twist, you're gonna have your mind blown, and they get to the twist, you're like. That's not that mind blowing. They telegraphed that for like the whole fucking series. This is kind of like that too. <clears throat> okay, there you go. Yeah, Steve, I assume you've watched it. Yeah, and I have too. Oh. Yeah, so so I have been slowly but surely making my way through it. I watched like the first three episodes. Kind of got a little done with the slow burn aspect of it, but then this last week picked up and like the, I think Saturday and Sunday. Maybe even Friday and Saturday. I don't can't remember. Uh, finished it up because it, it is only six episodes. Um, Kay came in pretty much at the beginning of the sixth episode, and ah. I was like, "And I was like, click. Are you ever going to want to watch this? Is this the last episode?" And he's like, "No, probably not." So I turned it back on. Yeah. And it gets to the end, and I go, and I was and I was sitting there going, without having seen any previous episodes, could you kind of pick up on what? Could you kind of fill in the backstory that got us to this? And you said, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." So it could have I, been one episode long, is what you're saying? I'm, no, I'm saying it could have been three, three one hours and yeah. Okay, I yeah. got gotcha. you. Yeah, I that final episode, they did enough explaining why this, who, what, when, and how that <sighs> I was just like, oh. Okay, I you know I do hate that as a as a story. I since I haven't seen the final episode yet, I hate that as a as a screenwriting trope where they recap the entirety of the series well, in the final episode, it's, I, I and it's know. like, why the fuck are you doing this now, Jeff? I haven't seen it, so but um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have described it as a recap. Okay, it's basically. I mean, you know, true detective. We mm-hmm. have these mysteries, and these mysteries right. get kind of funky. 
Mm-hmm. They get yeah. some, there's a weird slant to it. And in explaining each and every mystery, I got the whole story. Gotcha. So I not only, I mean, not only were the mysteries explained, but I saw what happened. Like, I understand where the genesis of the whole investigation began, and I understand the controversy. All of that was actually explained. Even uh, am I uh, am I no, right? As, as organic dialogue. Yeah. So it was it, it, it was fine. As as tropes of the mystery genre. Gotcha. As, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's not. It, no, no, no. It's not okay. repeating. It's the explanation, but it was thorough enough. I got everything. It's really kind of funny. Watching that episode, it was sort of like somebody coming up to me. Oh, my God. True Detective this season was so cool because. And, you know, it, it was kind of like that for me. So I was just like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I didn't, you know. And from what I've heard about the whole dragging, I'm just like, hey, do it the Kirsten method. Just watch the last episode. <laughs> just watch the last episode. <laughs> yeah, because here's my, here's my criticism of the people that criticized the show is a lot of what a lot of what they did was basically create the town of Nellis, Alaska, which yeah. is a very interesting uh, milieu. You know, it, it's a town not quite above the Arctic Circle, but it isn't enough to where you do get some days where the sun just never comes up. And and so, so it's like Night country? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like night country. Although it apparently does not refer to that yeah. aspect. It's, oh. Yeah. yeah, they hinted at that at the... Ooh. Yeah. Um, There's more of that weirdness I was talking about. Yeah, exactly. And so so the... Um, so filling in the milieu is, I think... Part of what got people that were just like, just tell me the mystery, just get to the mystery, just why do these guys all get you know die out in the cold? Blah 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 blah. Just that's what I want. I'm interested in. It's like, hmm. okay, I understand that aspect of it, but don't you also, don't you also want to be introduced to new experiences, new locations, no. new societies? <laughs> Well, then, I guess well, I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> you know, Todd, that's that's not surprising given your track record of things you have not seen. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm fine with the rule, but that doesn't bother me. I have a watch the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I, when it, it was announced, I got excited and said, okay, maybe uh, my wife might be interested in watching this. So we started watching season one. And mm. I think we got about two and a half episodes and she's like, mm, I'm just not feeling it. Wow. See, I loved season one. I, I thought season one was all right. Really? Yeah. Season one, a lot of it is McConaughey. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, um, Harrelson. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what I enjoyed yeah. about it is watching actors act. Yeah. And, mm. and, 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 uh, and, and this is not to slam on Tara, mm. but two male actors yeah. being male. Very much so. And and I, it, that to me, that to me is really what what makes what made that because you know it makes was, sense. It was interesting, uh, the first season with all the little Lovecraftian hints and where we're going with this, and this is all kind of cool. But in the end, I'm watching it. I'm going, this is really about this is really about uh, Woody and Matthew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it really is. Yep. Yeah, and I think they tried to recapture that a little bit with uh, Jodie Foster's character, and I can't remember the other actresses. Oh yeah, character. Um, yeah, I, mean. I could see some of that going on in that last episode. Um, but 
But yeah. The problem is, and Jodie Foster's a great actress, and so is the other woman. They're, they're both yeah. really good. They're both amazing. And they just went out of their way to make them two of the most unlikable Un- unlike, yeah. characters. <laughs> I was going to say, they, they both play very unlikable well, characters. So did this Woody Harrelson and Matthew yeah. McConaughey. Yeah. They were both very unlikable. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because, you know, you can have a very damaged, very broken character mm-hmm. that has some redeeming qualities or in, even some endearing qualities. These two characters really have none of that. They're de- very, they're both very damaged individuals. They're both very broken. They've had some horrific things that they've lived through. And just but they've gone that route of being like I hate everyone and everything now. And I don't want anyone to get close to me, so I'm going to just be this really Perfectly, yeah. disgusting type of individual that nobody nobody wants to associate with. Yeah, yeah. and self destructive. Yes, absolutely. So, He's so Barry sitting right here, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I. You know, it. It's always going to be. You know, you're going to like it or not like it according to taste. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Just from your comment, Todd, I'm now, I was just trying to imagine Barry as a guy who solves crime. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God damn it. (laughs) It just walks in and he's got his badge and he's had years on the force and he's in plain clothes and the captain's like, all right, it looks like this girl was shot in the head four times. Come on, skip it, skip it, get to the end, get the fucking end. You know know. what, I'm just going to do it. No, no, it it, it, it got shot in the head four times and it was involved with a bunch of gangsters, but we don't understand what her father has to do with it and barry's like fuck do i care (laughs) are you stirring the suit sauce (laughs) you know hey you got any leads on that kidnapping that happened four years ago oh i forgot about that a long time ago yeah i don't know you got any scotch (laughs) oh what is this what is this evan williams fuck you (laughs) all right so it looks like it was a 45 caliber but i don't know let me stop you right there (laughs) (laughs) i just (laughs) barry putting on the gun and the badge and the tweed jacket just going out in the mean streets saving lives helping people true rob true rob <laughs> oh my god right now he's probably listening he'll be listening he's like fuck you i help people <laughs> and also fuck you i hate everyone <laughs> and everything i know he's more the guy in prison yeah you know got the tattoos on his knuckles hate more hate <laughs> you know, stuff like that just Oh God! Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I did was uh, flashback. Cinema had Terminator Two: Judgment Day on this weekend. Forgot about that. You haven't forgot yet. It's Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, is it? You guys always go on Wednesday. I go on Sundays. Well, you guys, you guys. Yeah, Steve saw Poor Things. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see it either. I'm I'm still waiting for it to hit streaming so I can watch. Steve saw something else. I didn't. Uh, We. Should keep up our tradition and go see Dune 2. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I agree. We all... At AMC. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that, uh, Talk about a turkey jerk. Oh, yeah. yeah. That didn't go well for. Uh, uh, for uh, that was. <laughs> I'll just say that was an experience. 
that that particular IMAX theater. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think the last wow. thing I saw at AMC was Cats with UK. <laughs> Did you yep. see the butthole edition? <laughs> wow. Boy, Steve's seen it all. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, what else do you do? Terminator 2. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say most of our audience has seen Terminator 2 by now. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, James Cameron, uh, one of the first times he did a sequel to one of his own works. Yeah. Uh, shot in, or premiered in 1991, but the movie is actually set in 95, mm. which is something I always forget when I watch it because I'm thinking, oh, 91, because that's when I saw it. Um, one of those really seminal pictures <laughs> as far as... Seminal. <laughs> you know, how, it's a tribe. <laughs> How the movie was it's a made. Tribal picture. Oh, I want to see somebody write it that way. <laughs> it's one of those seminal pictures. Uh, <laughs> yes, Jeff. <laughs> We're living in an age without editors. I'm sure we'll yeah. show up there sometimes. Um, a really masterful blend of practical effects, mm. digital effects, and then just pure in camera effects yeah uh cameron he did so many still, little little tricks and yeah. techniques in addition to just cgi shit i mean we're talking like blending rear projection with live action mm -hmm. and almost seamlessly i mean if you know what to look for you'll find it but using in a lot of those scenes instead yes. of using cgi exactly. shit like that yes um both, also, both Linda Hamilton and her twin, and then the yeah. security guard and his mm -hmm. twin i um, respect it i also had to tip my hat just to how the hell are they going to make Arnold a good guy? Yeah. And I was just like, how the fuck are they going to do this? I thought the same thing and when that came out. And they made it so straightforward and easy. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. I can <laughs> totally buy this. It's basically seven minutes into the film, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But, and then but, the rest but, of the film, you've got... And they play it nice, too, because for a while there, you don't know what's going on. Except yeah. you kind of do because, you know, marketing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like one of the best examples I can think of about that, that whole in-camera stuff and like simple but effective is when Arnold appears for the first time when the time bubble goes away and you see that it has cut out part of this trailer and the edges around it are glowing like they're supposed to be red hot. That was reflective tape put around the edges and they basically shined an orange light yeah. onto it. And it makes it look like white, or excuse me, red hot metal yeah. that is slowly cooling down. They, they just basically dim the light and it yeah. goes away. You know how I know that story? Vernon. Vernon told me every time we watched it. <laughs> every time. It's Which is funny Jeff because I was just going to bring up the many, the many conversations Vernon and I had about Terminator. And uh, guess who would always bring up Terminator? And he was like, oh, do you know about this? And I'm like, yes. And do you know about this too? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, Vernon loved Terminator 2. Oh, it's so funny because he'd get... We usually watch it. He'd had enough to drink. He was drunk enough. He totally forgot everything he told me before. Yeah. And so just like in Jaws, he would tell me the tidbit, and I'd go, yeah, I know. You told me that last time we watched it. And then he'd just sit there and glower at the TV for a minute and be like, he you always don't have to point that out. <laughs> he always got so giddy when I was aware of where he was going with the story. Sure. 
you know, having, you know, my film school experience as well as, you know, my many decades of buying, you know, Cinefix and all those other magazines and just delving deep into that. Because for a long time, I thought that's what I wanted to do was special effects photography. And then CG started getting more and more... Right. Um, play on the screen and then I was and just like oh maybe I need to go that way brought someone a plate of dinner you were like no this is me <laughs> <laughs> no the, <laughs> the money is what was there <laughs> yeah. it's like oh. so I can do this and make a decent living in Vegas <laughs> okay yeah so I can make this much money and not barely scrape by if I were to be a camera operator in Hollywood. The use hmm. of that uh, that 3M high, high reflective material, you know, of course, it made itself really famous in the first Superman movie. Right. With all the Kryptonian content. Right, 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 right. But they also used it in, like, a lot of the architecture and all this. I've seen the documentary before because it's in the DVD release from the early aughts. Um, but they had, like, you know, the the half hour Superman in development kind of thing. And they actually show a shot of all the actors standing around, you know, in, in the costumes. And then they were like lights, boom. And it's just, boom. Yep. <laughs> and I remember they had the Jor-El costume at uh, Comic-Con Comic -Con one year. Uh, yeah. And, yep. and I took a flash photo photograph of it. And thankfully, thankfully it was digital. And so I was like, whoa, because it just blew out oh, the yeah. entire shot. Because when you look at it, it looks kind of blah. Oh, like, it's, it's in person. Right? It's like, just all the all the publicity photos of it just look like, what the hell are they wearing? Yeah. What is that crap? And then, well, you see it on screen. It's kind of amazing. So, yeah. So then I took a picture with my because I couldn't figure out how to turn the flash off the camera. So I put my, my surprised face. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> hey, you know, where is it? Back in my day, we just Hold popped up. the bulb off the top of the... Holding the camera, covering the flash part. <laughs> and, and that's what I did. <laughs> and I, I played around with completely covering it, covering it halfway. The covering it halfway is the one that... That was the... <laughs> yeah, we used that to use a, a bounce for those when I did professional photography. <laughs> But yeah, the, the the use of that high reflective stuff, man, you can just do uh, all oh, kinds yeah. of things with that. It's it's amazing, like what you can do with with simple stuff like yeah. that when it doesn't need to be no. something super complex. Uh, -uh. Uh, but having said that, there's one of the things that Terminator Two does, or should I say, starts off is the use of, I guess what they're calling it now is invisible CG, mm -hmm. where it's it's light touch-ups of things oh, like yeah. like slightly modifying the stunt person's face to look more like arnold uh in the scene where the motorcycle jumps into the uh well they into they, the wash they also uh erase the and cables it, it, i was just gonna say that too they erase the cables and then the um the little bit of the uh the mechanism that had the cables attached to the crane yeah that was <laughs> um it, it's just like when they they use uh vfx to mm -hmm. uh, hide uh Bruce Willis's bald spot and yeah. Hawk. <laughs> well, I remember it was at it was at Comic Con one year when somebody just casually mentioned uh, the Beauty Pass. Yeah, and I was like, "What the heck is that?" And then, and I think that was a Q and A, and somebody else and there. What you mentioned a Beauty Pass? What's that? And they go, "Oh, when we get the thing locked down, we send it through the VFX thing. We just." 
touch up any pimples or that yep. kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> yep. It, it certainly has saved Kara Knightley's career, apparently. <laughs> she she gets anxiety acne. Oh, okay. So, yeah. That's why she's wearing a hat in Love Actually. <laughs> she had a big old zit on her head that they, they couldn't hide with makeup because it was like a bump. I'm always amazed when actors reveal those types of stories yeah it's like why are you telling the story are you trying to make yourself more relatable or you just think it's so funny that yeah i mean why like why because i i wouldn't go around telling somebody about oh, some of my most embarrassing moments that you know it's uh, to well, me, it's, then again we we do this podcast don't we so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> jeff jeff they're actors yeah a zit is not the most embarrassing moment <laughs> yeah oh I, I i i'm very aware of that i've yeah. i've been on enough sets trust me yeah i've seen some shit it's uh, to me it's kind of like the the sean connery thing you know he made no secret of the fact that he was wearing a toupee and half of the stuff he did and and you know so some some actors are very confident in the fact that yeah i had a zit big deal yeah i'm bald big deal you know, and others are just like that would just be, you know, going back to watching uh, Feud. If, you know, if it's Joan Crawford, a zit would be like a horrible thing. It's like, well, it's also that, you know, if it's it, it, literally if it's on the right place on the face yeah. or something like that, it'll be a huge distraction. Yeah. You well, got that fucking 15 foot head <laughs> face yeah. on the goddamn screen. Yep. That, that is true. They got a big old, you know, yeah. marble sized red bump on their forehead. <laughs> I remember I brought the bootleg of the uh, of the Wonder Woman pilot with Adrian Pilecki over here. And Kay the whole time was like, mole, mole, because she had one, <laughs> right? She's yeah. got that mole. You just couldn't right, help right, yourself. Right, right, right in her eyebrow. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because it is dead. It looks like she was shot with a twenty-two caliber something, <laughs> and it just went, and, you know, and it was dead shot right in the center. It's just hilarious. It's <laughs> like, you know, a thousand years ago, she would have been hailed as a god for her third eye or something like that. It was just perfectly positioned. It's just hilarious. You know, it like, Kirk Douglas's uh, divot, yeah, whatever the hell you call yeah, it. That thing so, in there. So here's here's another it's Vernon keeps lunch. Another yeah. Vernon trivia bit. It's like what other sequel to Terminator did Cameron direct? What other sequel to Terminator? To Terminator Universal to, Studios. Yep. T two three D. It was directed by Jim Cameron. Yeah. 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 That was one of his things too. And it, it I don't know if anybody out there got to see it because it went away but 20 years ago it's on youtube if you want it maybe yeah you, yeah you're right it is still out there uh on the youtubes um, i remember being super excited i when terminator 2 came out it was one of the that and batman were the two life-changing movies of my high school time mm. yeah and i was so into it that when they released the screenplay i bought it went to see it multiple times then i learned that there was the scenes that they left out that they cut out it's like oh that yeah was a, that was a thing and so that, that changed everything but then because i love that movie so much and i found out that universal studios was making a sequel as a ride mm -hmm. starring everybody directed by the same guy yep oh my god it was a pilgrimage that I didn't get to do it for like ten years, but I finally made it. And it was good. <laughs> did you? You didn't hit it when it was partially broken down, did you? No. Okay. Uh, every every version I've seen was uh, fully functional. Okay, good. Because I I got fortunate. They had just done a, a quick refurbishment on it when I went to 
to see T2 3D, but a lot of the people I was talking to prior to myself going to the park where they're like, oh, don't do not do it, man. It's it's in such bad shape right now, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ah, I just, I got to see it before it's gone, you know? And yeah, I got lucky, but all the effects. You I'd avoided say, the one Arnold show. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I would say the one element that just didn't work is the same problem I had with Borg Invasion, where you try to have the, quote, live actor go into a box or something and then appear on the screen, and yeah. you can see it's clearly two different sure. people. Because yeah. um, there is a scene in there where you have an actor on a motorcycle that comes out, picks up the, the John Connor character, throws him on the bike, and then he drives off into the screen, and then it's Arnold and... Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, furlong. And furlong, thank you. And it, you're just like, oh, those are clearly two different people. Same problem with with Borg Invasion when mm. they they go into the little hatch and then suddenly it's a completely different looking character. Yeah. And well, I, you you have to care about casting for that to yeah. work. Well, <laughs> Star Trek didn't care about the casting. Oh my god, they didn't care about casting. And, they 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 also did the cross training, so it was yes. like you plug in anybody anywhere. And yeah. did we you had ever the wig for a while? I, I was they just gonna got... say the wig. I hated the fucking wig. Oh, everybody, Jeff. <laughs> trust me, everybody hated the fucking. It didn't wig. even remotely look like the, the, the character's yeah. hair on the screen. It was so distracting because it was so clearly a wig. Oh my god, I hated that. Like I remember the first time I saw the show in full because I I did some testing. You know, I got grouped in, uh, into people that got up and were on the ride, you know, while they uh -huh. were still testing I elements. Know. And you got your ass in back. Yes. Pricked. Um, <laughs> but when I finally got to see the full show, I'm like, okay, that's really distracting. <laughs> like, that is so blatantly a wig. If there was a sign pointing and says, this is a wig, it wouldn't be any more yeah. blatant. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, and part of that's because it's one wig. Yeah. And so it goes through all the actors. Everybody takes it off, puts it back on. That thing isn't going to hold together well at all. And pretty soon you're looking like. You're looking like uh, one of Kate those. Mara and Fantastic. Yeah, or one of those <laughs> aliens in. Uh, alien men in uh, a original series episode where they're yeah. supposed to have long flowing hair and they're wearing a woman's wig because yep. men's wigs were just not a thing back then. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Well, long men's wigs were not a thing for sure. Long wigs, yeah, because yeah. Shatner famously wore the toupee throughout the wow. series. That's a toupee. That's a piece. <laughs> wow. Which I just found out the new word for that is oh. system. I oh, have a system on my head. And I was like, "What are you? What? <laughs> it's wow. a toupee. It's a rug." Live with it. Oh, but they install these little plugs and things now that it snaps into. It is a quote-unquote system. Blows my mind. Yeah, I don't fucking I don't get it either. Wow. I yeah. The, yeah. the extent. Oh, dude, watch some Before, YouTube videos well, good, on it. Because in about probably five years, I'm gonna have to have a system. You're gonna have a system. <laughs> yeah, I five. Heard, <laughs> I heard. Um, Shut up. <laughs> Before he decided to embrace the cue ball, Howie Mandel had the snap thing. Oh. Well, yep. So, which yeah. is really funny because now when I see him, I like look at his head, like where were those snaps? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, oh. what else you do? <laughs> uh, those, those are the two things that 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 were the most. Steve, what'd you do? Well, Goldie and I did our second episode of Star Trekking uh, yesterday. Uh, um, 
five days ago when by the time this thing drops uh and we actually got some live viewers including one jake godbold yay who won our first trivia thing and got the got the uh, klingon bird of prey uh collector plate oh nice um <laughs> you know what if you want to make a commander k's day if you want to really just get him right in the cockles Send him He's his favorite collector's item of all time. <laughs> Send him a collector's plate, and he will thank you for the rest of his life. He's 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 so excited about the idea. He's verklempt. <laughs> anyway, he's, we also he's laughing so hard to himself. He is literally literally turning beet red. Oh my god! I I love Jake. I love Jake. Congratulations, Jake, on winning the trivia thing. I mean, you know, Steve told me the trivia question, and I got it right, but I wasn't there, so. But uh, uh, you're also not eligible. Yeah. Oh, I know you. Well, well if I'd been there. I, yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have told you before. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. I I still would have got yeah. it. But hardcore trekkies, I I was like, okay, yeah. if you know your original series, you'll get this. But uh, the collector plate, hi humiliated myself one time <laughs> coming in from a trip to the convention into the makeup area it was a night that tom and i were working and i just god damn fucking these plates what the <laughs> fuck is it with these plates what is it with people in the plates people pay for that shit yeah the art isn't even terribly good i'm just like appalled and i just was going on and on and on and then sometime later i went over to tom's place because i was gonna <laughs> cat watch for him and i saw that wall of <laughs> plates the man I had a wall folks he had service for a galaxy of <laughs> I plates. Did, I didn't even know Tom as well as you did, and I even knew he had that oh wall of plates. My God, <laughs> I was I just looked at that and I'm like, ah and Tom is like, Yeah, yeah, I do. And I'm like, ah, yeah, ah. yeah, I I had no words. Yeah. Open and mouth, that, insert foot. Yeah. That's also why I fucking love that uh, Lower Decks episode. With the, <laughs> He's got the whole box of all the collector the, plates. The, 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 he wants to get his Tom Paris uh, plate signed. I just that fucking killed me. I I I'm sorry, folks. I will never understand the collector's plate. This Christmas, get Kate what he <laughs> Kay what he loves, what he deserves. Well, get him a collector's plate. <laughs> Every plate begins with K. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I'm sorry. I didn't want to demean that, but boy, you caught me off. You mentioned the trivia question. You didn't mention the prize. Yeah. That caught me off guard. Yeah. We also had the um, Paul Walker and Robert Newa from the USS Las Vegas there to talk about their fan club and the, some of the charity work that they've been doing and everything. And like I say, we had more people, you know writing in and this or it's like okay cool <laughs> i guess this, i guess the interactive part of this works better when the nfl playoffs aren't going on at the same time <laughs> it can happen so um so our next it's the last sunday of the month which means in march that'll be easter sunday <laughs> which means the show 
the show is cursed. It may not be live that next month, but we'll let you guys know. Um, I did say I would I would let our crew know. Goldie's gonna let her people know. We'll probably pre-tape it and we'll let you know when when that is. And because we want to keep it consistent, always the last Sunday of the month, even if <laughs> nobody's gonna be watching on Easter. Um, and then uh, Kay and I have been uh, taking a leaf from Todd's book. We've been uh, catching up with the James Bond movie, so that's mm. why I oh, okay. texted and asked. Yeah, we got a ways to go until we get to Living Daylights because we ended on Thunderball. Yeah. Um, we lost some time uh, trying to get Thunderball to it, work. Oh, okay. For some reason, the uh, Blu-ray player that Vernon gave me because it's superior, it superior to the old, worn-out one that I got generations ago. Uh, when you know before humanity even knew what the color blue was, uh, <laughs> is, is much better. But it would not play that disc of Thunderball. So then I pulled out another disc and put it in there, and it played that. So I'm like, I don't. And Steve's like, I've got a couple copies, and I'm like, thank God. Yeah. Because I was like, I could reconnect my old one, but boy, oh boy, this is becoming a big pain in the ass. So. But I got it together and we watched it. I forgot. I actually, as a kid, I really loved Thunderball. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. We, I, I was looking up some some backstory on it because I forget who the actor was. <laughs> that's all the ones that's, that's a sh- that's a movie with backstory of all the James Bonds. <laughs> no, I mean production backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That is true. <laughs> that is the one. That is why we have Never Say Never Again. Oh yes. Um, and uh, almost we had an we almost had another one exactly like that. Yeah, the exact same story. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually they'll get it right. <laughs> but um, I I just caught my eye. The box office adjusted for inflation. That movie made a billion a billion three. They, that's one of the most financially successful Bond movies ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not even my favorite of them. No, no, it isn't. As a kid, I loved the underwater fight stuff. That Mm -hmm. was just, that was cool. I remember, I remembered, because I hadn't watched it in a long time. And uh, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I remember this. This was so (laughs) exciting. This was really cool. Because it was actually the most extensive underwater filming. Yeah. They had done. Uh, Underwater uh, choreography done by the creature from the Black Lagoon. Riku Browning. Uh, no, the actual creature. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, better. After his movies, there was a lot of work. <laughs> you see a little yeah. flipper in the side. And like, yeah. Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah, the clawed hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, he taught Paul Abdul how to dance. Yeah, there you oh. go. <laughs> uh, I will say, you know, speaking of toupees, Connery's toupees got worse over the run of the thing. They sure did. It, it's okay in Dr. No. It's really good in From Russia With Love. And then starting with Goldfinger, it's like, that is, that's a toupee. And then in Thunderball, it's like, that's really a toupee. Or in Never Say Never Again, oh my God, that is so blatantly a toupee in that one. It's still better than the one in Thunderball. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd put it pretty close to each other. I'll yeah. just put it that way. So, so I, I can't wait to see uh, You Only Live Twice. And, and again, I know Diamonds Are Forever also terrible, but um, but I can't remember the one in Di- and You Only Live Twice. Didn't he want them to let him not wear the toupee and they were just like, no, you have to. And Never Say Never Again, they they because he is obviously older. Yeah. Um, he and the producers actually toyed with with not using a toupee. 
and they did some tests and this and they're like no you gotta have hair (laughs) and you're like oh all right i shall do it yeah Yeah. when when the guy is losing his hair the the whole slapping women around just isn't as sexy You know, it's funny oh, though. Boy. In, he de- he does too. In, in next gen, you have the exact opposite, where you had uh, Patrick Stewart oh. brought his toupee, and then George. Then they said, "Oh, don't bring the toupee." And then they put uh, for some of the screen tests, they put um, a studio toupee on him. Oh, and they were they, the 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 producers above Roddenberry were so convinced that he needed to have hair to be a captain, and he's just like, God "Damn it!" I mean, I'm comfortable going without. Haven't then, you guys ever met a captain before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Christ. But, Guys uh, go bald. Kind of glad they won that battle. It, yeah. it, it, it's a damn good thing. Because it lends it, a certain it, amount of character does. to the, totally, the portrayal. It's totally integral, I think, to the kind of regal bearing mm-hmm. that... Uh, Stuart. That's, thank you. Stu- that, do it. <laughs> that Stuart brings to Picard. I yeah, really, I, mean, I really do think it, it has... Yeah, it, it's, it's it it's part of the character. It's like he could have, you know, in the future had the baldness reverse, but he sure. didn't care. It's just like mm-hmm. it's yeah, not. You would think that baldness yeah. is not a thing in yeah. the future, you know, unless you're a Delton. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, deep yeah. cut. And but, Roddenberry's uh, response was, "They just don't care in the future." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had other goals and ambitions that didn't. You know, involve getting involve late. him getting you know <laughs> genetic modifications so that his hair would grow in. Yeah, um, a couple of couple of things I noticed on this on this run of rewatching is um, we don't get an actual title song until Goldfinger. Uh, for uh, for Mercy with Love is an end title song. Uh, you hear you hear the music throughout. You know, it's Barry works the th- the theme into the score. But we don't get a first uh, title song until Goldfinger. We don't get the first, um, I guess it's Morris Binder, uh, title sequence till Thunderball. So, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the, it's funny watching a lot of the tropes get established. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely came out of our, our viewing of the last few like, yep, Goldfinger is still, hands yeah. down, one of the best Bond movies ever. It, it's just, it's absolutely flat out one of the best. Right, it's the right kind of villain, the right kind of tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and they really did, that's really when they kind of found their formula. And also the one, well, no, For Marshall With Love is pretty close to the book, except for all the Spectre stuff. Um, but Goldfinger really is one of the closest ones that actually is close to the book with enough changes to make it fun pop cinematic yeah type of thing and then you get to you only live twice and it's like we're keeping the title (laughs) (laughs) yeah really i I, what uh, in thunderball i think the uh the little gimmicks and stuff were were getting kind of cool but in goldfinger that's that was the fun one Mm -hmm. like the the car ejection seat (laughs) stuff like that 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 was the stuff that I remember enjoying when I was younger, and watching the movies and kind of sort of uh, associating with him. So, and, and it, 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 I'm sorry, Steve. It's just the suspension no. of disbelief too in that one. You really have to. Cause I was, was it MythBusters where they do the they try to 
create recreate a hat that you could throw oh. and it just didn't work. Yeah. There's just no way it would ever work. You have to have it's all in the wrist. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay. It's an ancient Korean secret. Yeah. <laughs> so and that and odd job being uh, that kind of I mean right up there with jaws in terms of <laughs> someone who could really cuz it was like Not a lot to say but but oh. actually pose well, a physical and, and, threat. And, and be yeah. a physical threat, yeah. Like, it was, it's funny, too, because in Russia with Love, you're watching Robert Shaw. You're watching Hen- Who was Henry VIII. Built. Quint, you know, yeah. and he's being this physical guy. And, of course, it's not today's cut. Yeah. Right? But he was... But Shaw but was, was, like, was physically yeah. formidable um, <clears throat> for those times. Yeah. How they would judge it. Of course, most people wouldn't wouldn't uh, don't even realize Connery was a Mr. Universe. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and boy, compare that to Mr. Universe today. <laughs> so, uh, but the um, well, even just twenty years later, when Schwarzenegger yeah was doing it, the mm-hmm. the body types change oh, is ridiculous. Totally yeah. change. But uh, but Odd Job was just really really neat in that regard, and. It was also funny because Russia with I always confuse Russia with love with Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) And I don't know how. Well, no. The reason is because I keep forgetting that the Spy Who Loved Me in the book Uh or the story because it was a short story. It's a novella. A novella um, is actually Bond. Yeah, it's written from a woman's point of view, and Bond is a spy who loved her. And so Russia with love, she says she's in love with him and she'll only defect to him. And I'm like, okay, that's the spy who loved me because she loves Bond. And I always, I, and it's really funny. I think every few years <laughs> I have to relearn that because I always forget. <laughs> and yeah. here I thought you were going to say you keep forgetting that nobody does it better. Uh... <sighs> Why? Why, Todd? I was, I was waiting for Todd's, like, grown face, but I got a thumbs up. I've so, heard hey. this message. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. But, anyway, it's been fun. We uh, we only did Thunderball, though, so we got to go back to our cranking out two, two movies a watch so we can catch up to uh, Todd. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm on a stall now with my James Bond because when I was started the uh-huh. book, right? Right, so there's basically two streaming services that had all the Bond films, HBO oh, yeah, yeah, Max, yeah. and then MGM Plus, which I had to subscribe to to watch Bond films. But somehow along the line, MGM Plus lost the license, so now half the Bond films I had access to, I can watch them only if I rent them. And I'm not renting the Living Daylights, so I just have to wait till another license gets picked up. <laughs> I thought up. you had it. the box set. You had a box set until I, you gave it to somebody who wasn't me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. mm. yeah. I've got it. Yeah, me too. I'll yeah, it to I you. got it. And I also have the the Pierce Brosnan. But my my Thunderball apparently doesn't work. So I'm <laughs> trying to remember because we keep bringing up Thunderball. Uh, there was some talk show that Tom Jones was on and oh. does a rendition, and holy shit, he just belts it out on that. I mean, I I'm familiar with the original recording, or at least the recording that's yeah. on the soundtrack. But wow, and does he ham it up a bit on the I, performance? I, I will say he cheeses out on the last note yeah. in live performance. You're, well, you're you're watching that, and it's funny. You're listening to it, and you're just like, yeah, he he at some point listened to Shirley Bassey, and he was like, oh, oh no, 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 girl, 
Now, Tom Jones is the spinal tap amplifier that goes to 11. Let's all be human beings. Yeah. And he apparently, it's been confirmed multiple sources, did almost pass out in the recording booth in that last note. Well, Which is he why holds he it so long. Yeah, he has yeah. well, he has one volume, and yeah. and that volume is ouch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, believe me, as one of my karaoke go tos. Uh, we know, <sighs> <laughs> which I love. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh man, Steve. I mean, anything else? Nope. I'll All right. The rest for aftershock. I've s- fell in love with another show. We ran out of episodes of What We Do in the Shadows. Right? Oh, they announced the cancellation, but there's one more season right. coming to wrap everything up. Still a glorious show. Can't wait for that last season. <laughs> Still haven't watched the original movie, but my, my wife and I are decided we are going on a, a YTD joint. Right? Nice. So we started watching, because uh, she loves pirates. I love pirates. We started watching the... Uh, Oh, shit. Our flag, our flag means death, our flag means death oh on HBO God. Max. <clears throat> and I, I'm we watched the whole thing. There's two seasons wow. of it. I think it's, it's 18 episodes total. Yeah, it, they're short seasons. And they're half-hour episodes, so it's not really a long watch. However, that show is goddamn gold. Yeah. My word. Just them playing with the pirate tropes. Everybody on that set's having a great time. It's obvious that Waititi learned a hell of a lot on Mandalorian because it's in that same style that they filmed this, right? The the 24K screen behind them makes all the background. Mm-hmm. So, except when they go out on location in New Zealand. But it is Reese, uh, what's his name? Reese. Uh, the, he was the guy on uh, the Flight of the Concords that was their manager. Oh, yeah. And oh, uh, God damn it. Darby? Yes, yes. he's Darby yeah. as the gentleman pirate. He's so goddamn funny. Is phenomenal. And Taika Waititi as Blackbeard is a true combination actor's joy to mm. watch. Though, I mean, the whole cast is just <laughs> this whole uh, cavalcade of crazy. Yeah. But. It's such a heartwarming and heartbreaking story all at the same time. Characters you hate, you grow to love. Characters you love, you just grow to love more. And I am so sad that uh, Max, I mean, it was doing great numbers, Mm -hmm. but, you know, Max is a Zaslav joint. So they canceled it outright after the second season. There's no wrap up uh, without a wrap up. However, uh don't let that concern you if that's your thing. Why well, do I want to see a show that never wrapped up? They actually hit a nice ending point for all the characters. So they, they didn't have that in mind. The whole thing was conceived as a three-season show. They yeah. were never going to go beyond a third season. That was the story they were going to tell. However, season two ends at a fine point to end the show. And in a, in a place that I'm very satisfied with where these characters are. Cool, because I haven't watched the second season yet. So it's definitely worthwhile. And, and I love that it's very loosely based on a true story. Yes. <laughs> loosely is, is a fine point. But it's whoever did cinematography on this, the thing is shot so beautifully. And, and there are very few points where you're like, oh, they're not at sea, they're on the studio. Occasionally you have that moment, but it's very, very rare. It's so good. And the comedy in it is great. The pathos in it is fantastic. <laughs> You really care and root for these people, even when they're being shitty. <laughs> and at one at one point, it's a love story, and at one point, it's violent death. Yeah, and God, yeah. 
uh, Watiti is Blackbeard's chest. Killed that me. dude can fucking act. Yeah. He yeah, really yeah. can. <laughs> yeah, because when, I mean, when he's, when that character shows hurt, he, goddamn, he sells that hurt. Mm-hmm. But when that character is e- evil and violent, oh, he's fucking evil and violent. Yeah. Yeah. Just, nice. it's all brilliant. And, but the whole thing rests on Darby <laughs> and it can. That is Darby's baby through and through. And so, if you haven't seen uh, Our Flag Means Death, again, it's a HBO Max original, only available there. Uh, that or pirate it, because I I don't care anymore. I used to care about piracy. Not anymore. These people are being assholes. Do what I you want to do. Yeah, especially with Warner Brothers and the way they've been behaving lately. God. I still have an issue with pirating books, but pirating shows, I don't yeah. there you care go. anymore. Just wait, folks. Someday he's going to turn around on AI. You'll see. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll probably won't have Fuck a choice. These guys, just just have the robots make it. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Alex Ross. <laughs> so phenomenal show. I also started playing a computer game. I don't know why this one spoke to me, but it did. Maybe it's because the the game you will fail at it. That's the whole point. But the game's called Dot Age, and I think what called me to it is it is a roguelike, a, 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 a you are going to die, but when you die, the next time you play, you'll have improvements to make your next play better, right? Most of these games are action games, right? Metroidvania-style stuff. You die, you get a little stronger here, you have this new ability, and you play it again, and it's even more fun because of your character growth over time, and eventually you can beat the game because of the growth. That's the roguelite set. This is a village simulation. This is not an action game whatsoever. This is, you are a village elder... And your job is to these ragtag group you saved from a cataclysm. You have to start a new village. However, you are plagued by visions of apocalypse and you have to try to make this village survive and you won't be able to. But God damn it, you'll try because the game is doing everything it can to throw portents and horrible events and you have to contend with weather and it is a maddeningly rough game, but somehow still really fun. Even though you know that this is a futile gesture. By the end of, the, of my first round, I was like, I just need these people to die already because it, there's no getting past this point anymore. Everyone's going to die. At the end of it, one of my villagers went, uh, got infatuated with somebody, uh, f- fell absolutely mad in love with them. But when they had a baby with someone else, they went crazy and killed the village. Oh, just wow. just stuck all all six villagers that were left. So I had a village. Oh, so I had so I had one villager, and and your character can't do anything. Your character just tells people what to do, right? Mm. To, you know, grow this food, hunt this this wildlife, uh, pick this berry. You know, that is your die right here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and if you haven't learned how to. Uh, and do, you care, your character has memories, right? And it's those memories like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that you can do in a village and build. Uh, apparently, I didn't have the memory of, of graveyards <laughs> uh, because my, all the bodies were left to just rot in the village, which completely just made everybody lose morale. It's that kind of game. <laughs> <laughs> and what makes it even more fun, it's all in pixels, 
So oh. it's so there's there's no reality to any of this. What's the title of this thing? Dot age. Dot D O T A G E. I got it cheap on Steam. They say you might like this because you like punishing simulating games. <laughs> okay. So okay, it's cheap on Steam. Yeah, it's fairly cheap. Okay. Uh, but uh, you know what? I'm really enjoying myself with it, and it is a time sink. So just be aware of it. It's a okay. PC village simulator. So day and night cycles. You have to cycle through them, but you also have to have some of your group that are just there to try to keep the morale up of everybody because when the bad things happen if your morale isn't up to a certain point people things are going to fall apart even worse yeah. people will get sick people will go mad <laughs> it's it's a game just full of crazy uh, but i'm really enjoying it so dot age okay what'd you do well <clears throat> i did a few things with steve that you might have heard about yeah uh, i did hear a, a couple things yeah i hear things yep and, Anything besides that? Um, yes, I uh, I bought on Kindle and uh, started reading Damnation Alley by mm. uh, by Roger Zelazny to because I just run across a few things that were talking about I, uh, the movie, and it was you know it was really funny. I just when you when you look back, you know the twenty twenty hindsight of history. Damnation Alley was the big special effects spectacle that was supposed to come out the same year as Star Wars. <laughs> and, <it was> just... <laughs> and then also, you know, the typical the typical thing, getting the budget cut towards the end, and that's why the effects got so wacky and bad um, and stuff like that. So, but also just the change, because it really is different from the book. And so the, the story... Yeah, book story is uh, is interesting. So it it is post apocalyptic, but things are a little more together um, and not. And uh, this guy's a criminal who's being hired to deliver something to Boston on the East Coast, going from L.A. And he'll get a full pardon if he does it. And it's like such a hazardous journey. There's three of them. Three cars that are armed to the hilt and all that stuff that have to zip across, and uh, he's just trying to survive to make his delivery and get his pardon. So it's uh, that's where I'm at on that, and that's kind of so that's been interesting. I also got I purchased Neither Beg Nor Yield, which is uh, a uh, sword and sorcery collection. This is my surprised face. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, s let's see. Stories with an SNS attitude, because it's not full-on oh. sort of... There's one story that's actually kind of modern day, but it actually has a kind of... Oh, sorry to bore you, Steve. Nah, no, it's... Uh, no, okay. Yeah. I actually bought new pillows today, so we'll see how that works. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there goes my birthday gift idea. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, yeah, uh, Jason M. Waltz, who has actually edited a number of good fantasy um, anthologies uh, that I have picked up and maybe have talked about. Uh, but this is just, like, one of the latest that he's done. And it's uh, actually, it's it's pretty good. They're, they're the, the start of the stories... Um, actually, uh, what's it called? It's not gentle. That's, uh, that's actually, uh, Waltz's intro. And he talks about sword and sorcery being flush with life. Uh, 
And so it's the, the, the life struggle sort of word. C.L. Werner, a writer of the Black Library, very popular, um, has Hunters and Prey. This is a Shintaro Oba, a Japanese sword and sorcery adventure. And he's got a, got a series of those in various anthologies and magazines. And it's a very strong start um, to the uh, series. I'm, I'm not going through everybody, but I wanted to mention Werner was writing in there. Glenn Cook, actually the writer of the great uh, Black Company fantasy novels, also appears. Not a Black Company story. Oh. So, so I was actually uh, really, I'm, I'm enjoying that as well. I'm still on my search to see if anybody has done any kind of quality substitute for like D&D books and you just can't find them and it's just I find it so strange that uh, Wizards is totally I mean except for the occasional R.A. Salvatore Drizzt story they've totally stepped away from that and they're just not really that's a shame because I mean those sold well yeah they did in fact they Um, kept the company alive well it, it, well though the whole thing was a mix because it kept the company going at one point until they got hit with their remainders and then that was when the chick the fox came home to the roost of the chickens who were roosting or oh yes that's how that whatever works. whatever the the phrase is and and destroyed everything so um but yeah their their fiction could really but you know kind of tough when you fire your whole book team yeah that doesn't uh so, it's hard to write without a writer. Yeah. Well, and, not anymore, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and uh, news there. Um, I, I, I know you've got this, and I, I hate cutting in front of you, Todd, but I'll go ahead and mention that uh, Wizards it. of the Coast Stay in your lane, Kate. is uh, not uh, is stopped with the Portuguese translations of uh, the D&D books. I, so. I, I didn't have that. Oh, you could have played along. But Portuguese, they stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they just weren't selling well in uh, well Brazil um, or Portugal. It was actually the price point, uh, and it's Brazil, Steve. <laughs> that, that's the market. But uh, they weren't they weren't printing them locally. They weren't printing them here, sending them there, and that's apparently well. There's just, your problem <laughs> exactly. So, and I guess they couldn't find, or they just didn't want to bother finding their a local. Uh, production things so and it's funny because uh, RPGs are growing in Portugal there are a number of Portuguese games out there oh, there game, you go game conventions and stuff like that here's your chance third parties so is it yeah. is uh, it, no you uh, no. No, no 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 is it you, not growing in Brazil too or it is it okay is so it's growing in that's growing what in I was saying it, it's Portugal in, and Brazil gotcha in, uh, in Brazil and did I say Portugal yeah god oh. damn you Steve <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to yeah. make sure because no, I mean thank I, you, I was aware of the growth in Brazil and it's yes. actually quite impressive it is it is impressive gaming. growth that, that whole thing is big um uh <laughs> Watsi Hasbro bought out the third-party publishers who were doing the foreign printing, the foreign editions, translations. All right, other games. <laughs> Here's a chance. There you go. <laughs> so it was really it, that's part of the story that makes it so disappointing because they bought out Chaosium. People were move, doing move that, it. and then they turn around, and a few years later, they're like, "Ah, Portuguese. It's just not working for us." So, it, it, you know, just it, it's uh, this is Dungeon I, Hacks moment. I think. 
we're eventually going to find out that Zaslov is a shadow CEO <laughs> at Watsi Hasbro and uh, is behind a lot of things. No so. kidding. Um, really fun uh, video I watched. I shared it on the lair, folks. Get a chance to watch it. Uh, Professor Dungeon Master on his Dungeon Craft uh, a YouTube t- uh, channel interviews Luke Gygax, who with uh, with Alphenius Goo, who That's runs, not a real name. You can't tell me that's a real name. Who that's, runs Goo Games. Nope. I think it's Gooey Games. This is a Paul thing. This is Paul. That's Paul. We all know that's or Paul. Or is it Gooey Cube? I think it's Gooey Cube Games. Uh, <laughs> not making it better. They're actually they're actually putting out a, a Kickstarter. They're gonna and it's uh uh, uh, is it Castle? Castle? Uh, Geisengax. No. And it, it's a total <laughs> salute to... Uh, Castle to, Grayskull? To Gary Gygax <laughs> and the whole, the whole little... You're thing. making all of this up. I'm, right? just, I'm just lying my ass off, folks. But it's Paul, you're not fooling me. <laughs> the, the thing that was cool about this video is actually Luke talks about uh, being uh, Gary Gygax's son, he talks about some of the house rules and some of the rules that Gary played games under, and he talks about just some of the the little bit of early history of D anD in the game. Come and we learn how to pronounce. And I know this has been bugging you for an eternity. It's been Todd, right. yeah. How to pronounce Sajkanth? You're right. I don't know how I lived this long. <laughs> <laughs> the Lost Caverns of Sajkanth, which is one of my favorite modules that Gary wrote, um, and Luke was talking about it, and I'm like, so that's how it's supposed to be pronounced, because everybody gets that wrong. So And we'll continue to. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that video, I did share it. It's a lot of fun, actually, and I'm looking forward to the Kickstarter. I think it'll actually be pretty cool, but I, I watched it just for the anecdotes, because I love... Well, Luke talking and uh, like Tim Cask and a few of the oldsters who are still around talking about those early early times and early games. It really is interesting how how games have changed, how it all started, how incredibly haphazard, ad hoc, and and on the fly the whole thing was at the beginning and stuff like that. Not to mention the drama, <laughs> which makes for so it's so interesting. Uh, Todd has read multiple books on it. It's true. <laughs> it's very, very true. <laughs> there are just there. There must if you put them all together, there must be a couple thousand pages on the whole business history of TSR and how D and D started. It really is a fascinating question. It's crazy. It is insane. And I, I, I love Gary. I uh, and I think that he created, co-created a wonderful thing. Uh, but he definitely had a few problems as a business man, um, uh, and, and especially like in light of how he treated Dave Arneson and stuff. But you know, it, it, that all gets—that's a complication we need not get into. But anyway, the 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 little stories—they're kind of cool. Luke Gygax working on it is really cool too. He's uh, he's uh, keeping going, doing stuff. Although there's a complication with using his own damn name. Which is funny, because <clears throat> yeah. Gygax left everything creative and and all that he had to his wife, 
Mm. And she has been horribly mismanaging the estate, and it's just been a catastrophe. So, I mean, Luke actually came out with a Gygax magazine that went two issues before her lawyers shut it down because he couldn't use his own name on the magazine. Wow. So, but any hoodle. So I do, uh, I do recommend that. And that's basically what I've been doing that I uh, guess I shall talk about. So, well, before we get into some news, got a little email I just want to want to get to. It's uh, from uh, Matthew Bates, also known as Cthulhu Collector. So I was just wondering if anyone knows who has been on Geek Shock the most number of times. My guess is that it has to be either Torgo or Kay, but I have no data to go on. Matthew Bates, so that's important for you to know. Most number of episodes? The most number of episodes, yeah. I think just you and I. Yeah, mostly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably, you're probably one, and I'm a close second. And that I'd say right. Kirsten is third. Yeah, yeah. I I I started at episode sixty, and I had a bit of a drop off when I was working at Ka. But you guys would accommodate, so I would periodically appear. But I did miss some episodes then. But I will say, since I left Ka in 2017, I don't think you've missed an episode. I haven't missed a one. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say because. So. Um, we started off, it was just you, me, and Barry, and then... And Paul. Barry, well, and Paul, yes. <laughs> but I mean, for a while there, Paul was leaving early, too, so it was just you, Barry, and I. And then... Um, and then Paul would go on the boat. Yep. And then... Um, That's how Barry, I came in. Barry moved, so... Barry was, tripped and fell and disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> Tripped and fell into a drink and disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. It's the probably tripping, scotch. The tripping yeah. was his was his return. Yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> Bolted out of the room to surprise, and, <laughs> and then hit something and went down and ate shit. <laughs> yeah, that's how it that went. Uh, that was so goddamn funny. <laughs> <laughs> I I wished I'd had a camera at that point. That was uh, oh the joy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so it begs the question: Who's had been on the least amount of episodes? Hmm. Least, probably yeah. Bonzo. Yeah, you nailed it. Oh <laughs> wow. Yeah, you nailed it. Because I was I was going to aim, aim for a Deb joke, but no, it's Bonzo. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? Just Michael Damn. would be second least. Oh, I think. Probably me, because 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 just Mike was part of it for a good while. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. It it, it it's fucking, it's hard to keep track of that it's all. Fucking hilarious for how long we've been on. This is ridiculous. Oh yeah, because this has been on. Yeah, both him and Luddite were on yeah. for a good stretch. Yeah, fourteen, yeah. fifteen years now, guys, and and so you can literally do every single episode for two years, and it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, you know. So like Luddite and Mike, yeah, yeah. coming in. Yeah, because I, I I think of it as a short period of time, and I'm like, no, that was a couple of years yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah, God, well, yeah, because this fall will be 16 years we've been doing this. Jesus Christ, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and and you know, look at the empire we've created. <laughs> <laughs> My empire. empire of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you went, you went. There and I went Queens right. <laughs> I think Todd won on that one. I no, you are absolutely right. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, let's do some. As long as it is not or the not. Nine Inch Nails version, it's got to be the. Um, yeah. No, Nine Inch oh, Nails oh. version. Through no, through. God, no. Because oh. even uh, even they say that uh, the version that. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash did is. Oh, it's, fun. it's, no. it's phenomenal. Yeah. Dude, is it better? No. Yeah. Really? You don't think it's better? Nope. I think it is. Not at all. You should, you should I, hear his version of Thunder. Because even Reznor is like. <laughs> Even Reznor's like, no, he owns that song now. That's his song. It's That's thunder. Ball. That was very nice of Reznor to say. Oh yeah, I did actually hear the the, the, the Johnny Cash Thunderball. Like thunderball. He's Thunderball. <laughs> it yeah, took it, me a second, but yeah, I did. I, but, I saw it on YouTube. The yeah. problem, the pr- only problem with Cash, is uh, Crown of Tin versus Crown of Shit. And yeah. come on, we're keeping shock. Yeah, Crown of Thorns, but all right, it's Crown of. What? Thorns. Did he say crown of thorns then? My old cra- crowns of thorns? No. No. He says tin? I'm, I'm. Are you asking about the Nine Inch Nails version or Cash's cash. version? I think Cash, he said. I think tin. Or no, I think it's thorns in Cash's version. Is it thorns? I'm pretty sure. But either way, crown but of there's, <laughs> But there's two different versions of the Nine Inch Nails with different oh, lyrics. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, no. It, in, in Nine Inch Nails, it's crown of shit. Yeah. 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 Well, the non-radio edit version <laughs> is crown of shit. Oh, you know. Well, the radio, ed, they, they just, they just, they just, just yeah, you yeah. edit just, that out. Yeah, and yeah. you know, who who cares about radio? Radio is dead. That's just some funky kicks going down in this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's roll another mioche. Big old jet had a light on. <laughs> it's time for news you don't give a shit about. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about it. This talk about it. This Empire part, dirt. Yeah. It just that was it just like, doesn't do it for me anymore. Nothing. Nothing gets Todd more excited <laughs> when the whole table goes. Ah. Yeah. yeah. The I, I the wear this crown side. of shit. <laughs> oh jeez. Paramount is working on a spin-off movie titled Sam and Victor's Day Off based on the characters from the classic 1986 John Hughes movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, Sam and Victor were the two guys who worked in the Chicago parking garage who promised to take care of Cameron's dad's 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California Spider, which Ferris had taken from Cameron's dad's garage at home without his permission, and Cameron was visibly uneasy about the arrangement, and the teens walked away, and we saw the garage employees speed off into the distance and barking on a joyride. Now, we will get to see what they did on their adventure that day. Uh, the film is being developed by Cobra Kai creators John Hurwitz, Hayden Slosberg, and Joss Held, so that's all right. Okay. Uh, writer Bill Posley, who wrote for Cobra Kai Season 4, is handling the script. Uh, David Katzenberg, a producer of The Goldbergs, It, and Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, has been tapped to direct producer of the what? film. Uh, no, I, not what? Goldbergs. Oh, I thought you I'm said. not. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, Sam and Victor's day off. I feel like this is an idea that came out a couple decades ago, and I'm hearing it again because I swear to God that tag that 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 pitch sounds very similar to something I heard in the early '90s. Now, if anybody can pull off expanding an 80s property into something larger yeah. and still decent. The Cobra Kai guys, I have to say, sure. it's probably not better hands than those. Yeah, I would agree. I'm not sure that's a story I ever wanted. But, but it's the story we it, deserve, right? 
<laughs> was a Cobra Kai story you ever wanted? Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of was. Um, I didn't know I wanted it until I watched and it. And that's really it. And then maybe this is that too, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what I, I'm kind of trying to say. You know what? It's, it's got potential. Just, if it's done well. If it's done well. Yeah. It, it does. It actually does have potential. It could be. It could be as fun as. Well, yeah, because they put how many miles flight. on that car in just those few hours? Yeah, like a hundred or something like that. I don't remember to tell you the truth, but uh, <laughs> I know that I know that Cameron wasn't happy about it. Yeah, James he, Cameron. He was yeah, practically yeah. catatonic. He made a whole set of movies about robots because of it. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, fine, fine. It's Crown of Thorns. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. No, it's a crown of shit, and we all know it. Yeah, that's true. News don't give a shit about uh, the live-action Masters of the Universe movie is currently at MGM Amazon Studios, and producers are looking to bring on a new director. According to Deadline, Travis Knight is in final negotiations to direct the project. Knight is the filmmaker who previously directed Kubo and the Two Strings and Bumblebee. You guys hear that? It sounds like Paul screaming... Yeah, in a distance at a distance. I, I don't that's so much weird. hear it as I feel it. Oh, okay, yeah, that's it. It's got that uh, with the with the bone conducting. Yeah, so, yeah. I was, I was all- w- wondering why I felt good. <laughs> 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 it was also reported that the script for the movie is being written by Chris Butler from an initial draft written by David Callahan and Aaron and Adam Knee, who were previously attached to direct the film. So, still alive. They're still making it happen. We've been talking about it for years. Yeah, decades even. Steve, what's your problem? You look pained. Hmm? Oh, I'm just thinking, hey, what's going on? So. so sorry? Hey! you never seen the video? Oh, with yeah. the... Are you talking about the He-Man? Yeah. Beam? Oh, okay. What's going on? Oh. Hey, what's going on? That's, that's, <laughs> that's what's tainting this idea of a live action series. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll just go fuck myself. Yeah. <laughs> With all due respect. Of With course. All, please. Of course. Please. With all due respect, of course. Yeah. Wear gloves. <laughs> and as you don't give a shit about, here's two more remakes in development for oh, you. Oh, boy. Uh, American Psycho, uh, based nope. on Brett Easton Ellis's novel. That, the, that last movie starred Christian Bale. We can say that now, last movie. No, the last I, movie starred Mila Kunis. As 1980s Wall Street sociopath <laughs> Patrick Bateman. You never Bateman. saw that one? <laughs> Is that the the two the, the sequel? Yeah, yeah. the quote unquote sequel with her and William Shatner. It's god awful. What? Yes, <laughs> you Mila Kunis say. and William Shatner are in Why? American Psycho what? Two. How can all, that possibly uh, be? Bad? What is the name? It's uh, I think it's American Psycho Two. All American Girl is the name of the the film. What? It's god awful, but it's worth a hate watch if you want to watch. Oh, it. oh, oh, it's on the list now. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyone want to say? Clockwork Torgo. Oh, Jesus <laughs> yeah. Even I wouldn't do yeah. that to him. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, sp- that makes one of us. Um, <laughs> it's fun to MST it, though. Sure, spackle that gap if you so desire. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if Paul ever told the story when Mila Kunis came into the experience. Have a drink, everyone. Uh, she was sitting at the bar. He comes around the corner. And she sees him, gives him the, the full up and down look. Just, That's a good looking Klingon. He just does on the floor. He's like, Machka. Goes into oh. the back of the house area and, and is prancing around. 
now you guys both know with the the platform you can't do like tiptoe dancing. Oh, I beg Paul to differ. was Paul was tiptoe dancing in the back going. Yeah. <laughs> I learned he to like, tap dance. He said I'm the... a good looking Klingon. <laughs> I learned to tap dance in my Klingon boots. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was a fun story. Steve, yeah. That story wasn't about you. I, I made it about me. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm good at that. <laughs> Although, anyway, the, the so. wanking line was great because, you know, what, what Jeff isn't telling people is our backstage area is the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> it literally is He the was in the kitchen going, <laughs> Yep, he really was. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Lionsgate's currently searching for a writer to reboot that film for a modern age with a fresh new take on the character. Uh, and also, they were making David Cronenberg's 1983 film, The Dead Zone, based on the novel the same name by Stephen King. That one's next. Uh, story of a man who awakens from a coma to discover he has the psychic ability to foresee the future events. That'd be the third remake, right? Because they did the TV show of The Dead Zone. Yeah. Starring Andrew I, Michael Hall. Yeah. There are very few times that stories in news you don't give a shit about literally anger me, but this one actually angers me because the book is great, the film is great. Yeah. It doesn't need a fucking remake. No. Nor does it deserve a Nor remake. Nor does American Psycho. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It. I, I've they're, never they're almost... read the book. No, so I, the... I have read the book, and the, and the yeah, book itself is a great standalone story, mm-hmm. and the movie is not exactly the book, but it's close enough. But the movie stands on its own, right? And uh, yeah. not just because of the era in which they set it. But which, which the performances, American Psycho. <laughs> okay, American Psycho. <laughs> I thought we were talking about Dead Zone, but all right. Okay. No, no, no. I, 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 I. Sorry, I should have qualified that by saying I'm going back to American Psycho. Uh, the performances in American Psycho are phenomenal. Yeah. Why? Yeah, and it's and it's well directed. I mean, that, yes. that's state of the art filmmaking. Yeah. It like. It would be the use of soundtrack as well <sighs> mm-hmm. to drive the story. Holy shit! It's an amazing, it's an amazing study of American cinema, mm-hmm. and and I don't mean just like for its era. I mean for, I mean it's a great example of the decade in which it was made, but it's also a fantastic mix of what makes American cinema American cinema. Yeah. Anyway, I, this actually really angers me. That's it's uh, understandable. It's, it's kind of the same feeling when we got the announcement that. They were remaking Psycho first, shot for shot, right? <sighs> that that one still right, but that failed in the cinema, and rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. So, and I, that's why I wonder with this one is like, do you really think that the you have enough public that wants another version of this? And what kills me with yeah. with, with the Psycho shot for shot remake, it's not an exact shot for shot remake. Eh. It's a stylized shot for shot remake, <laughs> but it just doesn't it doesn't have the gravitas. And it's not necessarily the casting because every one of those actors is fantastic in other projects. But really, yeah. It. Look, this goes, if you're gonna this just remake, goes back to yeah. our long-standing thing. You don't remake good movie, and especially you don't remake great. Movies. Well, don't make a don't remake a movie that's in the AFI top 100. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. just don't. <laughs> yeah. And both of those, Psycho and American Psycho, are in the AFI 100. Yeah, yeah. Why I, would you do that? And and Dead Zone, again, yeah. it's a little bit different than the book. Sure. But it is, it's a great version of that story. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, a lot of it may depend on the the adaption of the book into I what mean, they do. I guess, but at the same time, it's... Sure. I'm, oh, I see what you're saying. But, it, you know, maybe it's like one of those college productions of Shakespeare. It's like, not even... Let's media. do American Psycho, but we'll set it during the British Raj. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. we'll set it in the old west how about <laughs> stay with me dead zone in the time of julius caesar's rome oh, huh? Huh? Oh, or how about i actually make... could get behind that one because <laughs> that would be so goddamn silly it could be brilliant yeah or we could remake it but on this side it, time it'll star a woman will cast me a kunis yeah <laughs> there you go and somewhere in that movie, she has to go, that's a good-looking Klingon. <laughs> American Psycho is an interesting book. It uh, really is. It's not a good book, in my opinion. No, it's not It's not great, but it's, it's but it's entertaining. But it's interesting. And part of what makes it so interesting is the style of writing, not the story. The story isn't all that interesting. It's the you're in the mind and a first person narrative of a person that is devoid of, for lack of a better word, a soul mm-hmm. who is just a complete narcissist and and shallow and, and has an emptiness inside that he'll never fill. Yeah. And I I think the movie they made is probably the best way they could have adapted that book. But I don't know what they could do to improve or even what they could change to make it even stand next to it yeah that now, I mean, dead, the, dead zone yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give a little more leeway to sure the movie it's is its own thing i mean this the novels like you said it's okay yeah um it's entertaining yeah but the film takes the core ideas of the novel and just really expands upon it and just is this really phenomenal analysis of the C-class yuppie yeah. from the 80s. Yeah. And, you know, this these people that literally do nothing but make all the money and how just completely devoid of any kind of substance their lives are and what they're filling it with and just... You know, it's all these material things that in the end mean nothing to them, but it's all about one-upping the guy next to him. And I do mean guy because there's so few female characters in this film that are not... Meet? Live very yes. long. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> don't, don't live very long. Anyway, I don't know. I mean, And again, that's, that's the other Hollywood formula. Uh, good book, bad movie. Bad book, good movie. Yeah, yeah. So, because the thing that makes something a good book, you know, all the literary value and everything, you, you cannot translate that to the screen. But if you have something that's got a good idea, but is perhaps not very literate, yeah. then you can take that good idea and turn it into something very cinematic. And people won't care because it's not that good a book. And something very <laughs> unique. Yeah. Oh, boy. I mean... Yeah. The two best examples of that, you know, people, oh, the book is better. Mm, I can think of two examples where that's not correct. Jaws and The Godfather. Yeah. Ja- mm-hmm. oh. I had not read the book when I saw Jaws because I was a bit younger, mm-hmm. you know, when it came out in the theaters. So, so I didn't see it till much, you know, well, into, I'll just say well into the 80s is when I actually got to see it for the first time. And then I'm like, oh, let's read some of the books that Peter eventually wrote. 
Holy shit, those books are horrible. They're summer. They're summer reading. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're quick reads. They're 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 not great, but they're not. They're not terrible. They yeah, keep you, they keep you entertained, but yeah. they're not great literary work. No, they're not. It's not, not the great by Gatsby. Any, not by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and same thing, kind of with The Godfather. It, it, it it's a it's a pulp novel. It's a giant ass pulp novel, but it's basically a pulp novel. Yep. It's got some great ideas. You know, the, the whole family thing that Puzo, you know, took and ran with with yeah. with Coppola yep. for the movie version. Because again, that's what makes you know those those relationships played out on the screen. That's something that is very visceral. Yeah, you know? and, and it's something. Kind of, a lot of that family stuff is things that the general audience could identify with. Yeah. They couldn't identify with maybe the violent parts of that, <laughs> right. depending on Hopefully. what part of the country they might have been raised in. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. yeah, but it's but the book itself is not a great work of literary thing. But the movie is easily one of the top ten movies ever made. Yeah, probably you could make the case for top five, and that's certainly not the case with the book. No, the book is not one of the top ten or top five books ever written. In fact, a lot of people hated that book, and not just because of the Italian American mm-hmm. tropes that are in there. Because I remember a lot of Italian Americans were just like, "No, oh, yeah. this movie is ter- or this book is terrible. It's going to be a terrible film." Yada yada yada. Oh yeah. But- yeah, we saw the the <laughs> offer. The offer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so which better, book or movie? The Ten Commandments. <laughs> the movie the movie at least had a little more characterization history, yeah. history of the world part one <laughs> I bring you these 15 oi oh, oh, hey. <laughs> 10 10, ten, ten <laughs> I was struggling to find a I was silent the whole time because I'm like there's a smart ass comment in here somewhere god damn it where the hell is it Star Wars no that was a novelization um uh, I got nothing. Uh, Flash Gordon, eh, that's too easy. Uh, Barbarella. <laughs> Although novelizations of films are always intriguing to read because... They get that early of, draft of yep. the script. Yeah. Scenes that you will never see and you're like, oh, well, that would have made sense if it was in there. Yeah. Or, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Savick sleeping with David. Yep. Oof. Although I will say that in Barbarella's case, the movie is better than the comic. <laughs> you mean with Spock, right? No. Really? Because no. I remember that. Search for, search for Spock. Uh, yeah, I read the, the Search for Spock novelization. No, it's David. But when Spock's going through Pond Far... Doesn't she relieve no. his yes. attention? Yes. No. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, she gets it on with everyone. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know about the David... I don't remember the David part, but I right know that was, that was very... Right at the beginning. And then, wow. and then there's scenes that were cut out in you Star Trek your Four. Dad. That's hot. That are in the Star <laughs> Trek Four novelization yeah. that reference about... The reason she's taking a leave from Starfleet is that she's pregnant. Oh, wow. oh that's right. <laughs> there also is a is a trilogy of uh, Star Trek books, which are, for the most part, fairly well written, and a Spock Savic relationship is kind mm. of central to that. And again, it's the Ponfar thing. My issue with that with those books is the writers make mention of the fires of Ponfar every other page it's like where's where's the editor Go, <laughs> give this man on. a thesaurus <laughs> yeah oh boy but the story itself 
pretty good, but just, oh my God. Again, you're reminding us of the fires of Ponfar, blah, 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 clouding <laughs> judgment. We get it. <laughs> Wicked Geek! Yay! Woo-hoo! Feel better, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send Savick over for you. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> relieve his tension, Savick. Fine. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Apple TV Plus, uh, this was a part of a red light, green light in the past, but here's a little forward news on this. Uh, developing the series adaptation of William Gibson's cyberpunk sci-fi novel, Neuromancer. Ah. And Robert Pattinson has reportedly been offered the lead role of Henry Case. In the story, Henry Case, quote, uh, quote a former data thief who was recruited for a dangerous mission by a mysterious employer in a world where cyberspace and reality merge. Case must navigate through perilous encounters with the help of Molly, a skilled street samurai with the penchant for danger. Together, they embark on a journey that will test their limits and challenge the very nature of reality itself, unquote. Uh, Graham Rowland will serve as writer, producer, and showrunner of Neuromancer. He's best known for his work on the series Lost and Amazon Studios' Jack Ryan series. Mm. Uh, Gibson will also serve as an executive producer, and one of the episodes will be directed by J.D. Dillard, who recently helmed the war drama Devotion with Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell. So Mm. those have been awaiting news on uh, uh, Neuromancer. Well, that's, uh, that's coming. I still kind of feel like this should be a news you don't give a shit about. Oh, my. Wow. So what, what, so what What about it says that we shouldn't? I mean, I think the only thing that puts it in Week and Geek is the Robert Pattinson angle, because he's been a lot more selective about what scripts he does now. Is it the lost thing that lost you? Maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. It might be one, Mancer, one it's, it's massive. I know it is. But... It's a... It's a seminal work uh, <laughs> they on the hard rock you know yeah but um uh yeah and dillard um they have a great cologne section so <laughs> <laughs> so but you know what apple's been pretty careful overall with their i, I their have stuff. liked even even foundation as flawed as it is i am still on board with that it is not Asimov's foundation, but the story they are telling is still fairly compelling. <laughs> Darren was trying to sell me on Foundation Trilogy. He's like, he's like, he was he was telling me about the books, and I'm like, yes, I'm familiar with the books. He's like, and it's they made it in the series, and then he's like, but it's not exactly the book. And then it's just like, you're not selling me on this. <laughs> you know, he's like, well, you got to watch it. I'm like, but everything you're telling me tells me I shouldn't watch this because it's not as good as. The Asimov. No, books. It, it's different because Very different. because the Asimov books are really just collections of short stories. True. There's no way to make that a cohesive story with a continuing cast and everything that you would expect from a TV series. The continuing cast is the big problem. Yeah. So so they they had to make changes. Uh, and some people, I'm fine with the changes they made to it. I'm. I mean, kind of, with the exception of Harry Seldon, but um, because I'm aware that again, it's a TV series, it's not a book, so you know you have to make those. You have to fit the medium that you're working in. According to Gearbox founder and CEO Randy Pitchford, uh, director Eli Roth's Borderlands movie is the first entry in a quote Borderlands cinematic universe. 
Uh, uh, during an interview with IGN, Pitchford said one of the cool things about the movie we created is a cinematic universe that lives side by side with the video game universe. And of course, the characters there and authentic in themes and even some of the storylines. Uh, but they are independent storylines, unquote. So this isn't Borderlands. This isn't Borderlands 2. The Borderlands movie is the first of the Borderlands cinematic universe. And you'll see some of the characters from some of the different parts of what you might know from the video games, but also gives us opportunity to get deeper and expand a little bit again, unquote. Now, the movie stars Kate Blanchett as Lilith, Jamie Lee Curtis as Tannis, Kevin Hart as Roland, Black, uh, Jack Black's Claptrap, Ariana Greenblatt as Tiny Tina. Uh, the movie also stars Haley Bennett, uh, Janita Gavankar, Gina Gershon, Cheyenne Jackson, uh, Benjamin Byron Davis. Uh, Borderlands supposed to be released on August 9th. Uh, they finally released the first trailer for it, and I've been concerned about the Borderlands movie for quite a while now. Oh, yeah. All right. It's, it's had some, some rough patches along the way, and also, will this even work? Uh, but they see, well, whoever edited that trailer really push the whole Guardians of the Galaxy ad- aspect of it. Because <laughs> yeah. it feels like a Guardians of the Galaxy movie the way that trailer was run. Yeah, and poster. that's not a bad thing. No, the poster as well. Yeah. Looks very... It's all color saturated. and so. But you know what? So is the video game. That makes sense. Uh, the trailer has me on board. Yeah. Uh, and so this is the first time I can say that, okay, I'm looking forward to the Borderlands movie for sure. Because there's when they announced it, I was like, "Yay!" And as we found out stuff stuff along the way, I was like, eh, "Not so much." Uh, even uh, the, I think the only thing that really bothers me about it is still Jack Black as Claptrap. Unlike Barry, I don't have an issue with Jack Black. I think he's fine. I I enjoy some of his stuff. I mm-hmm. love Tenacious D. Uh, however, uh, they've adjusted Black's voice to kind of match the Claptrap of the video game, mm. uh, and it makes neither one right. Oh. In my head. Claptrap has a very specific voice. Uh, even the actor they got to replace the original actor in the video game still kind of nails that voice. Uh, but when you see it in the screen, it's like that's obviously Jack Black with a with, with a touch of Claptrap to it. Mm. So that kind of pulls me out a bit. But other than that, it, the tone seems right. <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll, I'll bet you anything, dude. They, they probably pushed it further. And then uh, big shots and suits were like, we're paying money for Jack Black. We better let the audience know Jack Black is, you know. Yeah. I- I'd wager. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. And and I don't, again, I don't have an issue with Jack Black playing it, but the Claptrap is kind of the seminal character <laughs> of... Uh, of the game, it's the the one character that's through all all of it all, and he's an, an, a beautifully annoying character. You, you you love him or you love to hate him, one of the two. <laughs> and I'm on the love him category. Yeah. Um, and so that's an interesting choice, but I don't think it's going to take me out of the movie. Do I think the movie's going to have any kind of deep plot? Not at all. But then again, Borderlands doesn't either. It's a looter shooter <laughs> through and through where everyone's racing to find some treasure on a planet. That's the story of the original one. Yeah. And they're obviously not going into some of the villains of parts two and part three. So that's fine. And yay, I- I'm now on board. The, the trailer <laughs> sold it. The trailer did what it's supposed to do. Will the movie be good? Who knows? But I, yeah. I like it. Very cool. And see, I know nothing about Borderlands, so I'm going to the movie. Yeah. I have no dog in the fight, so yeah. bring it on. I just, 
it's an aesthetic and it's a science fiction shoot 'em up action. So I'm there. Yeah, regardless, it, it's one. It's a uh, one of my favorite video game series of all time. That's for sure. And a lot of it has to do that it has a very specific, very meta, very self-aware comedic angle to it that okay. just plain works. Yeah. It's it's crazy pants. And so if you can make the movie <laughs> crazy pants, you nailed it. Uh, one of the most popular mangas of all time, Naruto is getting a feature film adaptation for Lionsgate. Uh, I saw Jeff. I just lost Jeff. And the movie will be written and directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who uh, co-wrote and directed the Marvel Studios' Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, Cretton will produce the film alongside Yaden Munford, Avi Arad, Ari Arad, if you know those names, uh, M.E.U. and Arad Productions, and uh, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Latcham, uh, who did Dungeons & Dragons. So... Uh, Naruto, was, Naruto was created by, uh, here we go, Masashi Kishimoto. I nailed that. In a, wow. In, set in a world where ninja wield extra, extraordinary powers. At its heart is Naruto Uzumaki, a spirited and a determined young ninja ostracized by his village due to the presence of a malevolent fox spirit within him. Determined to prove his worth and fulfill his dream of becoming the strongest ninja, Naruto embarks on a journey of self-discovery, friendship, and redemption. And along the way, he forms bonds with fellow ninjas like Sakuse Uchiha and uh, Sakura Harun. Haruno and facing formidable adversaries, uncovering dark secrets and ultimately striving to bring peace to the ninja world. Naruto, my God, uh, Shonen Jump through and through uh, that was just took over in the early aughts. Right. Oh, yeah. and whenever we went to Comic-Con, it was all Naruto all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the kids. That's what they're dressed up as. Yeah. Every yeah. one of them. Like 05, 06, just like suddenly everyone everywhere was wearing those headbands. Mm hmm. My question is, uh, which character is Scarlett Johansson going to be playing? <laughs> oh! <laughs> now, uh, Cretton was uh, originally attached to uh, a Marvel thing that he bounced out of, and I'm guessing that he bounced out of for this. Yeah. That's, that seems to be, I mean, Legend of Ten Rings, this seems to be a passion for things that he enjoys. So I guess if you're going to have Naruto in somebody's hands, that's a good hand to have mm -hmm. it in. He's mm -hmm. of the generation. So there you go. Boy, I tried that. I tried Naruto. Whew. To uh to to kid? Uh yeah. I was you know me about kids. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say and, it's and, definitely what? it's definitely very <laughs> the the definitely just the kid running around. Yeah. <laughs> Naruto and I was just like click. <laughs> it's very young adult for sure and I'd say preteen. Yeah. 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 But we have the live action Avatar, the Airbender, mm -hmm. right? Not talking the movie, we're talking the TV show, Netflix show. Yeah, yeah. right. And the uh, uh, the pirate one. What's the what's the pirate one that recently that uh, oh. got some good? Uh, the One Piece. Is one Piece. That's yeah. it. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I still haven't seen that, but I know people that talk about it all the time. I was just like having, they they can't stop talking about it. I was just having a conversation at Alternate Reality about because a friend of mine's writing an article about. Um, manga versus mainstream comics and uh, so I was talking to oh I feel bad because I never remember his name the other main guy that works at alternate reality that's not Ralph okay uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry if you're listening oh, God 
anyway senior moment yeah yeah there we go oh where's where's my ginkgo biloba um but anyway we were talking about different manga and he said he said yeah everyone's coming and asking for one piece and i keep trying to turn them on to akira and because they've because my whole issue is i had a friend of mine here tried to get me into manga by giving me most of her sayuki books uh, kind of an updated version of uh, journey to the west and i made it to like seven or nine uh, volume seven or nine and it and i just i was like man is this trying to teach an old dog new tricks i can't get used to the back to front aspect of it and i also can't get used to the not being able to read the kanji for the sound effects and and stuff and that and that's where this person who i thank very much for showing me i can't remember your name um he showed me that for yeah for for akira oh boy uh, that they had actually republished it and redrawn some of the panels to make it more, mm. you know, for lack of a better term, American or more mainstream. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, maybe I'll give that one a shot because I just really the back to front just annoys the crap out of me and not being able to read the kanji sound effects. Um, yeah, so. But, I mean, this is the age we're in. No one cares about people of our age nostalgia anymore right. this is the nostalgia age the early aughts right <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're now in their 20s and now hollywood is ready to sell their childhoods back to them yeah which they did like they did to us so because they actually have money to spend now exactly they're there in that the prime age so we're yep. going to see a lot more of this mm-hmm. as time goes on and yeah. and good that's oh. what i want everyone deserves to have another chance at their childhood <laughs> yeah oh absolutely and you know, every every time my boomer cohort talks about, I just don't understand. Blah, blah, I go, you're not supposed to. It's not written for you. Yeah, <laughs> my grand my grandparents didn't understand rock and roll. They're not. They weren't meant to. You know, yeah. that's. Oh God, get over yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> How are you not over yourself? Write to us comments at geekshockpodcast.com. I want to thank our tier two members, Mike M, Mama Ninja Scoop, Hi, uh, David Highbriar, Scoop Bucky, Aaron Esquire, Minty Scoop, Two is One, Leon Mitt, Scoopy Ramon, Gelato Steve, David Farrar, and our tier four members, Deb T, Jarek Conkle, tier five members, Jeff Harris, Mad Martron, Glumley, Atomic Gumby, and our brand new tier one member, Magic Dude. Good to have you hey. aboard on that. Hope you enjoy all the aftershocks, which we're going to start recording next. So until... <laughs> Stay tuned. Until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. With Professor Biggs. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek, except for you other listeners, because that other show's coming eventually. <laughs> Probably two days later. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll all be like... Uh, Will we? Why will we? Why will, why will we, we, we be? Huh? Why, why is we that? Do that? We oh, do no. that. When you introduce a segment, we're just like, huh. don't don't make that a thing. That's not a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll go back to getting all excited about news you don't give a there shit. There you go. Start <laughs> start wanking, Steve. The tissues are right. Grab here. the tissues. Grab the lotion. <laughs> Let's get the motion. And Kirsten, you wonder why he leaves you out of the introductions and in aftershock. Yeah, you know. <laughs> That's okay.